Hello, and welcome to Mother Daughter Earthcast, a show that will help you navigate the eco world and live a more colorful and conscious life. We'll inform, inspire, and embolden you. And most importantly, we'll have fun along the way to a more planet-caring lifestyle together. When I got inside, I was like, wow, this is the coolest thing I have ever seen. It really was seamless. I mean, there was not a glitch the whole way through. The, you, you get inside an electric vehicle and all of the displays and the computers and I mean, it's just a completely different driving experience. But Sharon, hey, fess up. I know I've personally done this. I admit this is true confessions. Welcome back to another episode of Mother Daughter Earthcast. This is Mariana Archibald. And Jenna Woods. So today we actually have a very special episode because we talked to two of my mom's really good friends. Yes, I went to high school with both of these ladies and what a fun time we had. We did. It was definitely a breath of fresh air. So anyways, before we get into the episode itself, mom, what has been going on with you? Well, it's been a little chilly and blustery. And guess what? What? I've been gardening. Oh, gee. She has been gardening. (laughs) Yeah. And it has gotten really cold here. Like really chilly. Yes, it has been. And we've been planting all the winter annuals for North Texas. We've been planting kale and chards and pansies and violas. But mom, you have more going on than that. I know what's going on. You're going to the same place I just came from. (laughs) Yes. She's going this weekend to um, Broken Bow, Beaver Bend State Park in Oklahoma. And I just came from there. And that's my big update because I miss it so much. I am coming down from the nature high and it's been hard. (laughs) But I had such a great weekend just hanging out, hanging out in Oklahoma. It's so beautiful. It is. Southeastern Oklahoma, just it, with uh, the hills and the the trees, the vegetation, it just, it's a really special place, isn't it? It really is. I was, I'm not going to lie. I was not expecting much. <laughs> I don't know why, but it is gorgeous and it's super close to Dallas. So I feel like, you know, found my new little spot. I know it's only three hours away. I know, which for anyone listening, not from Texas is a hop, skip and a jump. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Three, three hours in Texas is just around a corner, (laughs) around a corner. You can't get anywhere for less in less than three hours. So, so yeah, that was my, that was my big thing. It honestly was truly the first time I feel as though I genuinely connected with nature. Really? Yes. Mom is just hearing this. I know. Hot off the press. Ooh, well, tell us more. So, well, I mean, there's not much more to say. I I was telling my friend Spin this yesterday, and she was like, you, you always connect with nature. And I was like, so thought I. (laughs) But this one, this time was just such a magical trip. It was just, it was amazing. I really felt 
deeply connected with nature and then I came home to Dallas and so it's been a little a little hard to readjust but well, you've been able to connect with pansies and <laughs> that's true I've been able to connect with pansies but also the first day, two days I got back it was just super cold and super rainy and yeah. so I was inside all the time that's true and so it was a true come down off of my nature high Aww. The struggle is real, y'all. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yes. So that is a really special state park. And I love the river that mm-hmm. runs through it. And one of my special memories was watching people, the, the multiple generations fly fishing together. Oh, yeah. I saw people fly fishing, too. I know. Because they're a little, they're rubber pants and uh-huh. outfit and things yeah. yeah that was super fun and also someone was telling me that that mountain range in Oklahoma is one of the oldest in the definitely the country but if not like really in the world because you wouldn't even think of it as a mountain mountain range because it's been so eroded okay but it's like billions of years old really mm-hmm. yeah I think of it as rolling hills Correct, but I think it's just an incredibly old mountain range. Very interesting. So don't quote me on the exact date, like the exact age, but I was doing a little bit of research and alas, I think that's the case. Very interesting. So there's just like extra magic there. I know. Getting back to the fly fishing. Oh, sorry. I interrupted her. No, it's interrupt away. (laughs) It made me want to fly fish. What? Just, I know. I know. <laughs> Which is you want to fly fish? <laughs> no, the movement and the rhythm of it. I just think it looked like a a dance. And Mom, I don't think it'd be safe for you to fly fish. Why? You would be hooking everyone in the whole river. I'd probably be tumbling down on yeah. the rocks in this river and whatever. Mom. But I would like in my in my. I'm just kidding. If you want to fly fish, you should totally fly fish. I think it'd be fun to learn. I think so too. Go fly fish. I know. I want to learn how to do that. If anyone listening is a fly fish instructor, (laughs) (laughs) then you have a very eager client. I know. I know. Because in Dallas, that's not anything I've ever Mm -mm. seen and certainly not in Mexico either. No, definitely not in Mexico. I mean, fishing, the only fishing I've ever been exposed to have been on lakes. I used to fish at uh, a lake near Dallas whenever I was a little girl. And then I've done some fishing at the ocean, not very much, but some. I've done almost no fishing because when I was little and we would go to fish on the lakes, dad in Montana, my brother, for those of you who don't know him, would get really mad at me because I just wanted to talk and I just wanted to chat. (laughs) And they made me be silent sitting on a hot boat on a, nah, it was not my thing. And then... In the ocean, I get terribly seasick. Yeah. I mean, I got, y'all, I got seasick on Lake Michigan, <laughs> like barfing all day seasick. So off sea, offshore, whatever you call it, offshore fishing is not my thing. So anyways, well, mom, have fun this weekend at Beaver Bend. Thank you. And I hope you get to fly fish. You never know. I probably won't this time, but but who knows? One never knows what is the in magic store. of Beaver Bend there might produce go. a fly fishing experience. There you go. 
So anyways, um, before we get into today's episode, wanted to just zip through our announcements. As always, if you're enjoying this podcast and all of the content and information that we put out there, as well as our Instagram and all of our other platforms, please consider supporting us on Patreon. So that's patreon.com forward slash mother daughter earth. And we are also mother daughter earth and pretty much every other platform, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and our website, motherdaughterearth.biz, B-I-Z. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Y'all are awesome. Oh, of course, if you are also loving this podcast, please five star rate and leave an awesome review. It really helps us. First of all, it makes our day. Second of all, it really helps us get more visibility, especially as we grow and get our eco love and message out there. So thank you again for being an awesome listener and supporter. Okay, mom. So tell us about your gal friends. Oh, these are two amazing women. They are. They really are. Sharon Crutcher Yo lives in Philadelphia and she got her dog Riley and a friend, and they drove in her Tesla from Philadelphia to Dallas. And she's going to tell us about her cross-country electric vehicle experience. It's just a great story. And Jennifer Nance Stagnero, another dear friend, she lives in California, and she used to be head of marketing for ChargePoint. And they are the ones that develop the charging stations for the non-Tesla cars. For example, Jaguar, I know, uses ChargePoint. And she has a ChargePoint in her house. And she has an electric vehicle. In fact, I have been able to drive it. And she tells us about her experiences from a different angle about electric vehicles. And we learned so much. I wanted an electric vehicle before we visited with Sharon and Jennifer. And now I just, every time I see one, I was like, I want one. I want one. I know. Honestly, they just did an amazing job of breaking down what the real life scenario of owning an EV is and how amazing it is. And they just give you just real insights into what it is like to own an electric vehicle. And you're right. I left that conversation being like, okay, what do I have to do to get one of these? I know. (laughs) So I hope, well, I know y'all will enjoy this conversation with mom's super fun and awesome and energetic friends. I definitely did. And And tune in to the bonus episode on Patreon because both Sharon and Jennifer were so gracious to kind of go on a little little adventure with me and get real about how they identify or don't identify as environmentalists and why and how their journey along eco living has looked like especially as someone from the baby boomer generation, which I really enjoyed because I just love chatting about this stuff. And I so appreciate their honesty and how open they were to have this discussion. So that's the bonus episode. Check it out. And yeah, that was a really fun conversation. I had a great time with that. And I just, I cannot 
tell, I cannot express how deeply moved and appreciative I am of my dear friends. She's crying, y'all. Yeah, it was a really (laughs) special, special interview. And it just, I will forever remember this interview fondly. Yo, she's definitely tearing up. I know you can't hear it, but I see it. I'm I'm letting everyone know. I hope y'all enjoy our visit with Jennifer Nance Stagnero and Sharon Crutcher-Yo as much as we do. This is a big, exciting day, y'all. We, oh my gosh, Mariana, I get we have Sharon Crutcher Yo and Jennifer Nance Stagnero on our podcast today. And Sharon and Jennifer were both in high school with me. We are all from the same class at Hockaday. Man, there's four Hockadays. I know. Here. This is just wonderful. Shout out to Hockaday. I know. And um Jennifer was the chief marketing officer at ChargePoint, which we're going to talk about that and how they build the charge. Well, how how what is it called? The charging station, right? Mm-hmm. Ch- charging infrastructure. Okay, yep. the charging stations for the electric cars, and Jennifer was worked with them for quite a few years and also has an electric car, and then Sharon was such a brave, exciting woman to decide to move, I mean, to drive from Philadelphia to Dallas with her electric car and her dog she's basically an electric vehicle pioneer let's be real (laughs) exactly and a few weeks ago mom's like i want to interview my friends and talk everything about the ins and outs and the pros and cons and the real deal real talk for having an electric vehicle so thank you all both so much for being here you're welcome so mom these are your friends kick it off (laughs) put put them on the spot no, this, there's no, none of that here. We're all just going to have a great conversation. And well, Jennifer, why don't we start with you? And why don't you tell us about your time at ChargePoint and what you learned and why did you decide to, you know, trade in the, your old traditional car and get an electric car? And anyway, tell us about uh, your experience at ChargePoint. All right. So uh, I actually joined ChargePoint a couple years ago in a new division of the company that was um, attempting to put in uh, fast chargers, big fast charging network in the United States um, from coast to coast um, so that uh, friends like Sharon could do their road trip. And if you didn't have a Tesla and couldn't charge in the Tesla supercharger network, you'd have someplace to charge when you were on the road. Um, I... uh, Sadly, the idea was not fundable at the time because there weren't enough electric vehicles in the market. Okay. Um, so the business model is a real challenge. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, just like any new technology, you've got a chicken and an egg problem. Um, but I learned a lot about electric vehicles. And honestly, I, I was embarrassed driving in for my first day at the company <laughs> in, we call them ICE cars. It stands for internal combustion engine. So I had an ice vehicle and I would park like way in the back of the parking lot because you just 
don't go to charge point without your electric vehicle. So <laughs> I quickly had to make a decision on which one to buy and I have not looked back. Nice. Wonderful. I love it. So peer pressure was <laughs> Ann Jennifer's motive for switching. Totally fair. <laughs> and she well, peer pressure and I was a chief marketing officer of this new division and I had to go sell people on the need for this. And I couldn't even understand what the what what's called range anxiety really was until I myself experienced it. So it was also kind of job security I needed to have. Okay. Well, sounds that's really cool. I never knew what I being iced in is and now no. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, when, when a combustible car takes your place at the charge station, that's a really bad thing. So, oh, no, that's it is. It's called icing the station. Icing yes. the station is a gas vehicle is taking up the spot where you need to be charging. That's icing the station. I had no idea. I had no See, idea I either. I knew we were going to learn so many fun, exciting, interesting things today. Those dang icers. <laughs> What? <laughs> when I see it, I do get upset, even though I don't own an EV yet. But I can imagine if you do own an EV and you're like, that's my spot. That's <laughs> right. Not cool. I mean, because there's a couple. So if you're counting on it, that's a big deal. And so, but Sharon, hey, fess up. I know I've personally done this. I admit this is true confessions. I was in downtown Los Gatos for dinner. It's Thursday night. This is pre COVID. And there's not a park place to be found. My battery was fully charged, but I used the charging spot. I did plug it in a little bit, but otherwise I wasn't going to have dinner that night. So there's sometimes it works to your advantage. Hey, I think that's totally fair. You know, I mean, there's no one else needing that spot. Yes. I mean, it's, it's sometimes it's very convenient. So that's, I, I, I won't say anything, but that's about the guy. I think there's been a time or two where I had to run in and that was the best spot. So. So, Sharon, how did you decide to get an electric vehicle? Well, I think I'm one of these people that has always been, maybe it's because I remember the gas crisis of, mm -hmm. when was that, like 1976 or 7? I think 77 or 78. We were in high school. Yeah. Yeah, we were in high school, but I had gotten my driver's license at 15, so it was my job to go gas up the car. So, I think I became aware of, like, you know the impact of gas and all that kind of stuff. And so I was never, ever interested in, I was always concerned with gas mileage after that. And so I, even though I had four kids and my husband was dying for me to get a Suburban, I could just never bring myself to get something that had nine miles per gallon, you know? So, yeah. and I think at that point it was probably much as a money thing as it was an environmental thing, but it was just drilled in my head. And so I got um, a hybrid, you know, before I got the electric car and was really um, happy about that. But I didn't even know what a Tesla was. Like, I had no idea who Elon Musk, I, mean, I was just, that's just not where I was focused. But I was in San Diego and I got an Uber and the Uber picked me up in a Tesla. And I didn't wow. think it looked like much from the outside, but when I got inside, I was like, wow, this is the coolest thing I have ever seen. I mean, just the technology and the screens. And I was really surprised how comfortable it was inside. Mm -hmm. It would be a great car, except I don't think my dog would fit in it. And so <laughs> the guy told me that he had a German Shepherd that fit in it. And so I became obsessed. And so I've 
was back in Dallas after that. And I started reading up on them and got really excited. And I tend to do things impulsively, but if my gut's telling me I want to do it. So I actually went to North Park with my dad and test drove one and I made him go home so we could pick up my dog and make sure that, you know, she fit. (laughs) And um, I bought my car that way. And so um, it was kind of like my birthday present midlife crisis to myself, but it's been great and I've never looked back. Wonderful. That's hilarious. I love it. And for listeners, Sharon's dog is named Riley and she is adorable. And she's a, is a she a Labradoodle? She's a sheep a doodle. Sheep a doodle. Yeah. Something. She's the cutest <laughs> sheep a doodle ever. Yes. So, yes. Actually, Riley has her own Instagram account. And yes. <laughs> yes, she does. And it was, it was actually when I bought the car, I was thinking, well, this car one day will be able to drive itself. Maybe my, my dog's favorite places in the car or boat. You know, she just likes to be moving. So I thought, well, maybe Riley can go out and, and drive Uber for me. You know, I'm like... Because you could just send your car out to do it. So that's where I got the idea for the road tripping with Riley Instagram. That. that is great. And I want to I, I want to hear all about your cross-country road trip. Um before before that, because I, I want all the funny, awesome anecdotes and details. But Aunt Jennifer, what electric vehicle do you drive? Do you love it? What are some of the things you possibly don't love? Like what if what are I know you were telling us at one point how you got you had to get used to the braking and the accelerating or what what have been some of like the transitioning challenges or awesomeness that you have experienced with an EV? Sure. I I drive a Chevy Bolt with a B, not to be confused with the Chevy Volt with a V. Um, The Chevy Bolt is all electric, so it's not a hybrid. And and Sharon, when you were talking about having a hybrid first, I did have a hybrid first as well. So I was totally obsessed with um, gas mileage as well and wanting to make sure I could get as much as I could out of my tank of gas. And in fact, I worked for one of our high school classmates' fathers in 1978, I believe it was, when the gas crisis hit, and he owned a dozen Texaco stations at the time, and so I would take all the family cars and get them filled up in the summer, and that was a drag, so I do remember that time. Um, So I, I got a Chevy Bolt, and part of it was, again, going back to my job, um, we were building out a network for everybody Um, that didn't own a Tesla. And so I I couldn't buy a Tesla and really do my job. And besides, I I like to do something different and Teslas are everywhere out here in California. So um, I'm a little bit of a nonconformist. And so I, I got a Chevy Bolt and the, it was like Sharon described um, the, the, you, you get inside an electric vehicle and all of the displays and the computers and I mean it's just a completely different driving experience um, and you but the best part of all is you can do one pedal driving and I thought it was going to be hard to do but it is the most natural thing it's like driving a golf cart you get in 
you put your foot on the uh, accelerator and then when you let up on it, it just gradually slows down. So you never have to put your foot on the brake unless you, you know, need to make a sudden stop. So I rarely put my brakes on and, you know, I live in the mountains in the Santa Cruz mountains. I would go through brakes on regular cars all the time because I'm driving up and down the mountains. Mm -hmm. And now I, I still, I'm at 45,000 miles and have very little brake wear. So it's, it's fun, fun, fun to drive. And uh, it definitely trains you because I'm totally obsessed with how many kilowatts per mile, I, you know, <laughs> I, I, it's making me and am I, you know, getting the most out of it. I drive my husband crazy because when you turn the air conditioning off or on, you can see how what your range goes down to. And so I'll turn the air conditioning on, cool it off, and then I'll turn it off. <laughs> Also, for, totally my battery. for listeners, Aunt Jennifer is the most like organized person you'll ever meet. And she has a spreadsheet for absolutely everything. So this does not surprise me at yeah. all. I love this. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and the car recharges when you're braking. So that's what. Yes. Oh, you, you're exactly. Okay. Uh-huh. Exactly. So, so every Saturday morning, I go for a hike in the Redwood Forest with my girlfriend, and if I drive from my house to her house, I wind up with more range than when I left the house because I'm going downhill. And that's amazing. That's awesome. Whenever I went out to see Jennifer, I believe it was last year, she let me drive her electric vehicle and it's so zippy. It really is. And what was interesting, you don't coast to the stop. You just... You get to the stop and it stops because you just take yeah. your your foot off. That was that was. I remember that first stop or two was like, oh, well, this is a little interesting. But then right you here. step on that gas pedal and zoop, you're just off and going. <laughs> and that is that is the fun part about driving a, a bolt because a lot of people don't know what it is even out here. And I was talking to a colleague of mine. He's this kind of macho man, you know, and he's like, oh, you drive a bolt? He goes. I pulled up at a traffic light the other day and he goes, he's looking at the person next to me. He's like, Oh, that little, you know, dinky car. I'm going to like get ahead of them. But that's when the light turns green. He's like, man, they zip past me. No problem. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, it certainly is a fun car to drive. Isn't it? Well, uh, it Sharon, tell us about your road trip. How did, how did you do? Well, you told us how you decided to do it, but, Tell us how you did it. Well, I mean, honestly, I wasn't going to do it at first. What what happened is I was going to be in Dallas for a long period of time because I was having hip surgery. So at the time, I was literally using a walker. So that was part of it. And I had had, um, whenever I came to Dallas before and was able to spend a couple months, there was a, a, a service I would use to drive my dog in my car. So I could have it there while I was there, and then I would just fly. And so originally, that's certainly what I was intending and doing. So I called them up, and I found out they would not drive an electric car. Hmm. And said, you know, we've had it. We had we tried it once and had a bad experience with it, so we can't do it. So hmm. I was like trying to figure out what to do, and I could have rented a car or something in Dallas. I mean, but then I couldn't get the dog. It was just getting a little bit complicated. And I thought, well, let me do some investigating and see if it's something that I can do. Because that's been a couple of years ago. I knew that when I bought the car, they said the network that Tesla has put in, they put in a lot of infrastructure. And, you know, you can kind of see where the spots are that you might have trouble. So 
I did a lot of research and, um, you know, it looked like it was fairly easy. The route that I picked, like through Nashville and Arkansas, there was plenty of chargers. Um, there were little areas where they were kind of spare, but um, there's also an app called PlugShare that gives you all of the chargers across anywhere. And like, I could even list my charger here. So if somebody was driving around here and wanted to, and was going to run out, we would share the charge kind of thing. Interesting. But, um, so that gives you a lot of confidence that there's a lot of charging out there. And I have adapters so that I can use other networks other than Tesla. And I can also just plug it into a regular outlet. And so then it became like a game of where can I, what's my route? I, I got an app named Bring Fido where I could stay with my dog and um, charge the car. And, <laughs> you know, and so it was like, a, you know, it was fun. And so I never could find a, a hotel that accepts a dog and had its own charging network. <laughs> a feature that more and more hotels are starting to you know to encourage because you can pull in and charge your car overnight so i would encourage anybody out there and that's a hotel owner that would be a real bonus you know it's because it, it's very much appreciated so i was sitting there telling um at a party telling somebody i was going to do this and i was on my walker and she's like are you crazy and i'm like well maybe a little bit <laughs> do you want me to come with you and help you? And I'm like, oh, you wouldn't want to do that. And she goes, sure. And so basically um, this wonderful woman that I had never met before agreed to take this cross country road trip with me. And really, I was was really grateful to have her. Um, Yeah. So it it was good conversation. And, um, you know, I, I took the first leg on my own and stayed with a friend in Chevy Chase. And then I picked her up at the train station in DC. We said hello and she got in the car and we took our trip. And so that's kind of how the whole thing came to be. We, I stopped a total of four nights and I had it all planned out. I did my hotels ahead of time. Um, and honestly, I had never, I have a charging station at home that I installed, but I'd never used the network until I got on the road. And, um, I mean, I pulled up to it. I didn't even know how to hook it in, you know, but I, um, I figured it out and it was really easy. And, um, I, the only goof I made is I learned that you really have to pay attention how, how far the next charger is. And so I got to my friend's house and I didn't really know where the next charger was until I picked the my friend up at, well, my now friend, but at that point I barely knew her at the DC train station. <laughs> and I looked and it was raining and to make it to our next hotel, I was going to have like 20 miles left on my car, Oh, which was really scary. And <laughs> I didn't want to look clueless, but I had read that if you put it in um, self-driving mode, it's not really self-driving, mode; it's more like cruise control and keep your speed down that it really increases your range. So I did that. And actually, by the time I got to my place, I had increased, I had an extra hundred miles that I could have gone. Oh, wow. So if I can, there are strategies to build your miles, like Jennifer said. And plus the one was like, I was so impressed that you were such a safe, careful driver, <laughs> um, which I can't say I always am, but you know, <laughs> that, it all worked out. So that's how this trip happened. And it was great. You get to charge in different places and it's not like going to a gas station. I mean, there usually will be like near an olive garden sometimes or an outlet sometimes, but there's always a place to go, you know, stretch your legs and go to the restroom, buy a snack. And um, it really was seamless. I mean, there was not a glitch the whole way through. So how, how long does it take to charge? 
that's the interesting that I learned thing that I learned is if you try to fully charge it the whole way, it can take like an hour and it depends like on the charging station. Like some of them have more power than others. And like, you can even get this information on plug share. They'll say like, don't go to, you know, stall six. It's really slow. Hmm. Um, but what I learned that was smarter is it charges really fast to the first, like the first half. And then it's incrementally slow, slow going down from that. So I, I learned after a while that if you have another charge station that you can see that's like three hours away, you're much better off getting half a charge and then moving on to the next one, because chances are you're going to want to stretch your legs. And that way you really can charge in about the same time that you would go to a gas station type of thing. Mm. Only if you can, if there's another one coming. Yeah. The most of the chargers and and it's just, laws of physics they'll get most of them will get you to 80 percent um uh pretty fast and then it slows down just based on how much it takes to push the extra um charge through um and there are some charging stations like sharon was describing where they're doing shared power and so um there and sometimes it's hard to tell on the outset so sometimes those apps will tell you that so ChargePoint is also a network of chargers that you can find where the closest station is, how fast it charges, whether it's in use, whether it's free, uh, open, uh, and how much it costs. So some of them, like Sharon was saying, um, the, the whole business model for ChargePoint was to get the business owners to buy a charging station, and then they can set the price on the network, and they don't have to do anything. It's all provisioned for them. And so they can give it for free as an enticement to stay at their hotel, or they can charge a little bit to cover the cost of the electricity. Mm. So it really does, when you're charging overnight, you, you know, plug it into your home charger, it'll charge, depending on how much charge you have left in the battery, a few hours um, to get it um, fully back up. Um, but th- there are fast chargers that you can get an 80% charge in 20 minutes off of an uh, empty battery. Interesting. Right. That, And I wanted to ask you, how much does it cost to charge your car if, you, you know, if you're not charging your car at home? It really depends on the price of electricity. Um, and so there's actually, you know, a website called like Teslanomics. And so say if electricity in your area costs 13 cents per kilowatt, um, you can put in that and the mileage that you normally drive. And it'll tell you, like for me, it costs me about $40 a month to charge my car versus the same amount. It would probably be paying about $133 in gas. So there is significant savings there. Um, And I'm lucky because I got my car early enough that I'm grandfathered on the superchargers. So when I pull, it doesn't cost me anything to use a supercharger. Um, And, but unfortunately that's one thing in Pennsylvania, Teslas aren't around as much as they are in California. So there was not a supercharger anywhere near me. I would have to go to Delaware. So I had to put one in my garage. And so there was an outlay of an expense with that, um, you know, that I would say it's probably about $500 for the unit and then probably for a good electrician to install it, another $500. So there was that initial outlay. But then the nice thing is when I was in Dallas, there's a supercharger right down the street from me. So I never had to pay to charge my car there. I literally it was right near a coffee shop. And so I would just go in the morning and grab coffee and it was right off Central Expressway. And so... 
literally it cost me nothing when I was in Dallas. So it's amazing. What about you, Jennifer, when you're charging out about? Yeah, in California. um, So I'm in um, Pacific Gas and Electric Territory. So whoever your electric utility is, sometimes they'll have financial incentives if you have an EV. So for example, I was able to go on an um, EV rate plan so that I'm only having to pay $0.12 cents per kilowatt hour overnight. That's cheap for California, just California. to put it in perspective. <laughs> Energy costs out of this world here. Um, and the, so it's based on time of day. So um, to incentivize EV users to use the grid when there isn't much draw for the um, power or, um, they'll bring the price down overnight. So you plug it in overnight, you get up in the morning and it's fully charged. So just to give you perspective, my peak, my peak time on the same day is twice that. So mm-hmm. if wow. I run my um, washer in the afternoon, it's 45 cents per kilowatt hour. So they give you lots of incentive to do it overnight. And Aunt Jennifer, even with the 12 cent overnight, and that's, you know, I would say it's higher than what our average cost for electricity is here in Texas, well, your lowest <laughs> is still higher. Um, I think we're at around okay. 10 cents right now as an average, but um, are you seeing cost savings from Oh, charge- absolutely. Okay. So even with high electricity costs. I'd say about the same ratio as Sharon and, and Mariana, I know you won't be surprised to know this, but you know, I did create a spreadsheet. For that. <laughs> I knew <laughs> it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> so I probably pay 15 bucks a month, you know, and, and I used to pay 15 bucks a week. Um, so, you know, it's, it's about 25% of what I used to pay just for fuel. And that was as compared to your hybrid? Yeah, no, no. Compared to my, um, my ice. Your ice. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. That's awesome. And I was probably getting 30 miles to a gallon on that one, but the other variable is, um, and probably the Teslanomics, um, website does this for you. Um, I, I truly, for my job, had to create spreadsheets that would do this. Um, but you have to put an assumption in for how much do you pay on average for price of, you know, gasoline. And of course in California, you know, it's a whole lot more than what you're paying in Texas also. So it's, you know, um, but it is that ratio of how much you're paying for, for, um, electricity versus gasoline. Well, Jennifer, I don't know if you found it, but I like the fact that there's very little to break and very little to repair. I mean, other than getting my car that in is the best. And, you know, as you said, you could maybe go through brakes or, you know, change your tires. There's literally no maintenance. It's like driving an iPhone. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, and if anything ever goes wrong, which a couple times, like, I've turned it on and the screen didn't come on, you just reboot it and it works. Again. Exactly. <laughs> so... I'm- I was going to ask you all about the car maintenance cost of the car. I read that it's it's like half of what a, a standard, uh, an ICE car oh, is. It's, it's less than that. Yeah, it is so much cheaper. I think I have, I've had, I'm, I'm at 45,000 miles. Mm-hmm. I had to change my tires once and the bolt is known for the tires not lasting all that long. Um, but so I've changed my tires once, but I do drive mountain roads. Um, and I had to put one filter in a cabin filter in that cost 12 bucks on Amazon and that's it Wow! for 45,000 miles. And they say that I will not have any expenses, major expenses for maintenance until 150,000 miles. Wow. Yeah, there's, there's no regularly, regularly scheduled maintenance. I mean, basically right. when I get my car inspected once a year 
And it's kind of funny because we don't, in Pennsylvania, you have to do emissions and then as well as your inspection, there's no emissions. So they just give you the one sticker and I usually get my tires rotated and check the windshield wipers and fluid at that time. That's it. You never, you never have a time and a place to go get windshield wiper fluid because you're never like getting your car service. So that's, that's why electric vehicles always have dirty windshield because they ran out of that, that is that's pretty true. <laughs> this is awesome. Also, Sharon, whenever you were talking about how you were only going to have 20 miles left and that was pushing it, mom knew I was going to bring this up. Range anxiety when you drive in an ice vehicle with Jenna Woods is a true thing because she gets down to three miles left and she's like, oh, we're fine. The gas station is just around the corner. And I'm like, I know where they all are freaking out. Like For me, once that light comes on, I'm I'm booking it to a gas station and I have like 40 miles left. Mom over here. rolls the dice and she's like getting into the single digits and she's cool as a cucumber and I'm like get me out of here right now I have to admit I'm more like your mom when I would literally be cruising into a gas station on fumes so so the electric car is probably better for me because I just have to remember to plug it in and I would just get distracted and I would get in the car in the morning and forget, oh my gosh, I have to go all these places and there's no time to get gas. Aunt Jennifer, I know you're on my team on this one. (laughs) You're totally on your team. And I'm the one who's sitting in the right lane on the freeway going at the right speed so that I'm getting the maximum amount of batteries because I am not going lower than 40 miles or I'm going to be screwed. Thank you. Why would you ever go lower than 40 miles? I don't know. Okay. Let, that leads us to range anxiety because well, I know I Jennifer to, has I had an, a situation. So I, yes, I was going to say I have had a situation because tell us about I live it. in the mountains. And in in the winter time, their road gets closed frequently for mudslides, trees down, cables down. It's a normal course of you know life here in the redwood forest. And I was coming home from San Francisco um, from work. And so I knew exactly, you know, how many miles I would have left at the end of the day when I got home. And I was two miles, three miles from home on the mountain road. The road was closed and Mm -hmm. I had, I was like panicked because I knew I wasn't sure I'd had enough to drive all the way around because it was going to be a good 45 minute drive to drive all the way around to get back to my house the other way. So I had to call my husband I parked my car there overnight and <laughs> walked under the down power line and he took me home and I went and got my car the next day. Wow. There you go. And what about wow. you, Sharon? Have you ever I had... Not push it. There you go. You, <laughs> you stand your ground, Aunt Jennifer. You speak up for the rest of us who don't like going below 40 miles. <laughs> what about you, Sharon? Have you ever had any situations where you've had range anxiety? No, I mean, really the closest one I ever had was the one I already described. When I thought I was, you know, driving and I, you know, I didn't know. I was on the highway. I didn't know what the road conditions were. And I thought I was only going to have 20 miles left. Um, But I did one reason I, I mean, I got a car that has a large engine. So, I mean, not engine, battery. Um, So the range (laughs) on it, I mean, mine can go like 400 miles before you need to recharge. 
And if you drive, like there, there was a group in Italy who they basically put the car in 45 at, you know, in the self-driving mode and it got something like 550 miles, you know, so there's ways of even getting more than that. So, but typically what I do for everyday driving is you don't want to fill your battery up all the way because it's not good for the health of the battery. So I'll set it to like 80%. And so it's just during the day, you know, I just come and go, but then every night I plug it in and there's always, I mean, there's very few places my go, you know, that I'm going to go that I'm going to use up 380 miles. And then when you are on the road, you can set it in trip mode and you can fill it up to the full, like 420 or something. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, a large battery really helped me with that. So range anxiety and the fact that there's a good network has really helped. That's awesome. Honestly, talking to y'all makes me want to go and buy an electric car right now. With <laughs> we just I, we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. Before we were getting kind of close to our time. So before we, but start, I have so many more questions. I, know, I want to well, ask. Y'all are just gonna have to come back. <laughs> but before we start winding down, um, one of our patrons actually asked this question, and I'm not sure if either of you will know the answer, but I'll ask. And then if you don't know the answer, then you can just give your personal opinion. Um, but she has a 2016 Mazda what is CX-5 and she's kind of kind of um, grappling with whether or not she should trade in for an EV because of the concept that when she if she were to do that then there's all these extra materials going into producing a new car so she's looking at it from like a carbon footprint environmental standpoint should I just keep driving this relatively fuel efficient not super old ice (laughs) or trade in for a brand new car and switch to an EV. Do either of y'all have either personal opinion or do you actually know which one's better? I I mean, Jennifer might know. I I just know that, well, I'm sure if she traded in her car, someone else would enjoy driving that car. So it's not like she's going to put that in a heap somewhere. Um, But that is one of the criticisms you hear is like the batteries, how, you know, that they create a lot of environmental, you know, damage or how you're going to recycle those. And I know there's talk of trying to reuse those in a different way, maybe to fill them after the car has used its life for fuel cells to power different things. Um, But it's, yeah, it's just like, it's the same problem with electronics. Like, what do you do with those batteries? And so I don't know the answer top of my head, Jennifer might, but I know they're working on ways to make it more environmentally friendly. Yeah, I, I think I think Sharon, you you answered there isn't a clear cut answer, and I think you answered that beautifully. Okay. Nice. Yeah. And also my personal view is I, I was actually doing a little bit of research and I think there was like this MIT study, I believe it was, that ended up showing that the percentage, if we're looking at carbon footprint, the percentage of manufacturing a car is only like seven or 8% versus the lifetime emissions. But I just think exactly what y'all said, I'm a hundred percent agreement, but also if you have, in my personal opinion, if you're in a position where you can buy an electric car, I think we should be supporting the industry whenever we can. I mean, the second I my budget (laughs) allows for an EV, that's definitely a high priority for me. So that's kind of my other personal thoughts. Okay, mom, you're going to have to let them go. I don't want to. But she does have one last question that she asks every, every guest. I have to ask my, my ending question. 
Let's start with you, Sharon. It's the same question for both of y'all. But Sharon, what do you think is the most important thing people can do to help reverse global warming and climate and, and reduce climate change? The single most important thing? I think the thing is there is no more single one thing. I think it's having a mindset of, I think people give up if they feel like, oh, I'm not doing enough, so what's the point? Yeah. I think the thing is that every single thing you do, every small change makes such a big difference. You know, so whether you eat meat less because of the whole impact of factory farming and just make you make sure you recycle and just look at your daily lifestyle and try to make small changes, like every small change adds up. So. I love that. That You sound like a mother-daughter earth spokesperson. Person. Yes. Jennifer, what's your answer? Just get a subscription to Mother Daughter Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that too. You guys listen to Aunt Jennifer. She's a smart cookie. <laughs> you know what? Neither no what it's fascinating how everyone answers this question completely differently. Yeah, it's true. I know. It's awesome. Well, we are going to let you go and we will be chatting later for our bonus episode about whether or not Sharon and Jennifer identify as environmentalists and what their journey and transition has been like. Because as a millennial, I was super interested in having this conversation with just, uh, you know, a different, my mom's generation, because I think they have a really unique perspective because you guys have had a very different viewpoint and journey from when you grew up to how, you know, things are now and how the environmental movement and eco-friendly lifestyle has evolved. So I can't wait to chat with y'all about that. So join us on Patreon for the bonus episode. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you again to both of y'all. This was super fun. And I'm going to go home and talk to Toby about shifting some budgeting numbers and seeing when we can get that EV because you guys sold me. Not, not that I needed it, but you did. <laughs> Well, thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This was a real treat. 